The party is moving through a cavernous area, and you look around, and you can hear the water dripping off the walls. There's the smell of mildew. This is an underground cave. You're in the the undercity of Absalom. You've been hunting, tracking a pack of ghouls, or what you think is a pack of ghouls based on what you know about ghouls. There was a, a home above ground where you found some dead bodies and it looked like the remnants of a, a ghoul attack. And you found your way into the Undercity. And as you move through, you can hear the, the sounds of the city above. It's night, but you can hear them echoing off the walls of this, what used to be part of Absalom. We see Frost trailing behind the rest of the party looking around, taking a look over. He looks over at uh, Ago, and he sees Ago is looking maybe a little taller than usual, and he, is he walking on all fours? It, just for a second, it looks like he is, and then he's back on his, his two feet. What is the sensation that's going through Frost as he's, as he's hunting these ghouls? We know that he, he likes to go after the undead. He's definitely in his element right now. He's in the Underdark, and he's hunting undead exactly what Phrasma has told him to do. Uh, he's kind of kind of wiping a little bit of sweat off his brow and like kind of like trying to focus his eyes because Ago's acting weird, but that's pretty normal. He's just on the job. He's he ready to start hunting. What you talking about? I'm not acting weird. I'm tracking. I'm tracking these things. Well, do you know which direction to go? Yeah, uh, yeah. Right down here. Lead the way, big guy. Yeah, you guys, you guys follow me. We're on the track. And you're continuing along, and you can see a little bit of water running along the side. This is runoff from the city above. And it smells terrible down here. And you can hear things ahead, echoes. They... St- sound like howls or screams it's hard to know exactly what you're hearing it's echoing so much and you're you're moving towards them it's very dark under here presumably frost dark vision has kicked in he seems to be following ago but ago doesn't look like he actually knows where he's going he's just sort of moving in in random directions quinn beside him frost looks up and Quinn's, the features of, of Quinn's face don't look quite right. Ago, hold my hand. It's dangerous here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I come back and I grasp Quinn's hand in mine and walk with him side by side, sniffing the air, listening to the sounds of the tunnel are all around us. I think they're up in front of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. As they start to, I don't know if they're skipping off or what, but all of a sudden you just look around and you're in a graveyard. You can't remember, Frost can't remember how he got from the graveyard or from the undercity to this graveyard. There are tombstones all around. And when you look down, you can see on one of the gravestones, it's opened up and there's like a stairwell going down. And when you look down into it 
you can smell coming out that same smell of the Undercity. And you can see these claw marks all around the edges of that gravestone coming up from the stairwell. Uh, Frost is going to kneel down and take a look at the claw marks and kind of examine them for a little bit. Uh, can you tell anything else about them? They resemble the claw marks that you saw on some of the bodies that you found, the bodies that sent you into the Undercity in the first place. Cal, Cal, where's where's Cal? Oh, right behind you, brother. Oh, I, I snuck up on me. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Let's go down. Let's do it down the staircase and see if we can't find those ghouls. I, I want to get this. I want to get this done. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take the lead. Let's let's go. Be careful of traps. As he walks down the stairwell ahead of Frost, Frost catches something fl- flip by, just off to the right of his vision. It looks like it was a raven, wearing a mask, but it's it. He can't see it again when he looks up. Did you see that? Uh, see what? See what? Exactly. Uh, yeah. What? You, what you talk about, Frost? I, it. It's nothing. Let's 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 keep going. As you start down, you look to the left. You'd been looking to the right, and all of a sudden, you see Quinn standing there, next, like leaning on a, a gravestone. He's got a pickle. He's just got a pickle in his hand, and he starts eating the pickle. You okay, Big Blue? I don't know. I've this. This place is starting to get to me. Let's. You really like those things, don't you? Best in the city. <laughs> uh, did. Which which vendor did you go to this time? Grunka, but don't tell Palmo. All right, well, you and uh, you and I'll go. You guys keep leading the way. Uh, I'll be right behind you. The whole group walks down the stairs, and as they as Frost starts to walk down the stairs, he looks, and all of a sudden he's in a house. He's not in the Undercity that he thought he was going to get to from going down those stairs. He's in a house. And this house, it smells of iron, of rust, of blood. As he looks around, he can see that the walls are just covered in blood, and there's bones around on the floor. And as he looks, he recognizes, he recognizes the face of Eunice, scratched across the face, parts of body missing, they've been eaten. And next to Eunice is Jerov, and Jerov is in the same condition. He sees Cal like bending down next to a, a boy, and he recognizes that that was the boy that Cal gave the blowgun to. And they've all clearly been mauled by ghouls. Cal, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, I guess we were too slow. We didn't get here in time. Uh... I was, I, we were tracking him as fast as we could. I'm, I'm sorry. He don't, he don't understand. I did the best I could. I, you saw me. I did the best I could. I, there's, there's, there's nothing you could have done, brother. As you say that to him, you can see the color just draining, just draining out of Cal. Cal, Cal, are you, are, are you okay, Cal? No, I'm, I'm not okay. We should have been there. We we should have we I don't understand. 
I don't understand. All of a sudden, you're back in Edgewatch headquarters. Allo is standing there and he's saying, Understand, you need to find those ghouls. They've been killing people all through the precipice quarter. I don't know. I don't know where they're all coming from. I, I know you said you've been to the Undercity, but they're everywhere. There seem to be hundreds of them. And as you look out the window of the Edgewatch headquarters, you can see just the streets are covered in undead and ghouls just wandering through the streets. Oh, we, we, we've been tracking them as much as we could. If there's hundreds, I don't understand why we haven't found them yet. I think they're, they're, they're in the street right now. Where's... Do we have backup? Backup? What's that? Oof. Ah. Oof. 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 Ogo, do you see something? Ogo! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Sergeant! When do you want to send a backup part here? Ago starts like frothing at the mouth. Weird stuff is happening with him. All of a sudden, you're back in that room with Eunice and the other kids, and you can see the the ghouls are moving in on the building that you're in. And Cal has lost all color, and Quinn is in the corner, and you see him in the corner. And all of a sudden, out of the corner, a ghoul just bites in to Quinn's arm and blood flies everywhere. Except this doesn't look like normal blood. It's like a bright red glowing light shining through the room. So now you can see as the light bathes the room, everyone can see that the room is covered in ghouls. There are at least a dozen of them in here with you. Quinn, no! Cal's bandolier is just bombs are hanging off of his bandolier as Frost looks up and sees all these ghouls and there's just bombs are clinking around on this bandolier and in his hands he holds two bombs in each hand and he just lets them fly from his hands into the corner of the room where Quinn is is he's not even reacting to this it's just light glowing out and he's kind of he's made eye contact with, with Frost and he's just staring at him and he kind of looks down at his arm and he looks back at Frost, and he looks down at his arm, and he looks back at Frost. And the bombs fly into the corner where Quinn is, and a couple of the ghouls are directly hit by these bombs and just fall to the ground. There's acid splash, and the, the corner of the room starts to go on, set on fire. One of the ghouls starts making its way towards Ago, and another is making its way towards Cal. Uh, Frost is going to step between the one and Cal, and just start swinging his gasarm, trying to hit anything that comes anywhere near Cal. As he does that, the the one that's approaching Cal, he gets a, a perfect shot right in the square in the center of its head, and the ghoul just drops to the ground. Its tongue, a ghoul's tongue, is several looks several feet long, and it just falls to the ground, and its tongue lolls out onto the floor as another bomb goes off in the corner. The one that's moving on Ago. Now Ago's back down on all fours and he sort of like looks like he's barking in the face of this ghoul as it's on all fours and they're moving towards each other. And I rear up on my hind legs and draw forth two gleaming long kukris, one in each hand, and leap forward with the firelight glittering off of my bright armor. 
and smash both of the kukris into the forehead of the first ghoul, slash into the next ghoul, and yet I fall underneath the third ghoul, and I'm struggling underneath it as the thing is basically over top of me, its tongue lashing on my face, and I am barking at it, just barking and barking and yelling, Quinn! 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 Frost is going to look at Ago needing help, but this entire room is filling with ghouls, and Ago can kind of take care of himself, but he, Frost really wants to protect his brother, so I'm just kind of pushing Cal into the corner of the room and just fending everything off with a uh, gasarm. So as you're pushing Cal in, bombs, he just keeps pulling more and more, and every time he pulls a bomb off, there's just another bomb there, and he just keeps, it's like constant bomb throwing into the corner, and Quinn just seems to be muttering like you can frost can hear like a spell or something being chanted and as he's moving all of a sudden above him he looks up and he sees a ghoul come down from the ceiling as the windows start smashing in around him and he can hear hundreds of ghouls starting to pour into the room and a ghoul drops right down from above him as he looks over at cal and the ghoul sinks its teeth into Frost's neck. <laughs> As the ghoul's tongue slides down the side of Frost's face and its jaw locks onto his neck, he looks and he he just looks over at his brother and from behind his brother, he sees a raven fly through the room. And it just, it quickly flies through one window and out the other. And as this ghoul is sinking its teeth into his throat, he hears, be prepared. And it just flies right by. And Frost can feel the life slipping out of him. And this isn't the first time he's felt his life slipping from him, even though he can't remember the last time it happened. He can see Cal's mouth moving. He can't really make out what he's saying, but Cal starts moving towards him. Brother! Frost! Frost, no! Frost! Frost! Frost, wake up! Wake up! And Frost's eyes open. He's on his bed. Got it. It happened again. Oh God. Cal, Cal. Are you are you are you okay? Are you okay, Cal? Dodge, it's not me you need to be concerned about. It's you. You're the one making such a ruckus. Let me let, let me let me let me see you. Let me see you. And uh Frost is gonna hold up a candle to Cal to make sure he can see the color, make sure he's not bleached. Cal looks as he normally would. Damn it. That fucking bird did it again. (laughs) Disefficiently Afflicted, the podcast that aims to help us and you if you like what you hear let us know you can find us on outplay.com there is no you're listening to the random roll radio show an outplay production to find out more about the cast characters or the world we're building together go to randomrollradio.com tonight's episode is paid for by listeners like you if you want to help support the show leave us a review or go to patreon.com slash outplayproductions. And remember, there is no E in Outplayed. Now please enjoy tonight's episode of the Random Roll Radio Show.
Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Random Roll Radio Show. My name is Corey. I'm Larson. I'm Eric. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Duff. So Duff, we've had some people asking in the Discord, and it's something that I want to know myself. We've got some loose ends here. We do? We don't know what... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we do. We don't know what happened to Eunice and, and Kamenelis. We just kind of let let that one go. We gave him three squares and a bed and called it good. Yep. You did your job. There was some stuff in the zoo that I didn't realize we missed, honestly, until listening back. We missed some hints there. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Eric is fixated on this guy with a cane. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's something spooky about him. And and after that last cold open, now I really want to know. All right, so, so let me get this straight. Ago sits down and drinks with the criminals. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. still on that. And mm-hmm. now, instead of fixating on that, mm-hmm. you're fixating on the guy that got assaulted. <laughs> well, so one of the other loose ends. No, so one, one of the other loose ends is the is the barbarian drug addict as well. So that's still on Ago's mind as well. That should be judging the guy because he has a eccentric cane. It's a little. Uh, there's just something didn't sit with me on that one, right? And at the time, it didn't. It was fine, but um, after thinking about it, I kept thinking about it. I'm like, <sighs> and maybe it's just one of those typical things that a DM does, right? Where they'll throw you a detail, and that's completely the rabbit hole that you go down because you're like, oh yeah, why would he tell me that unless it was important? When in fact, all it was there would never be red herrings in a <laughs> right. in an investi- investigation. I was just mad because he wouldn't throw it so he could fetch it. no i actually am struggling with this a bit because we have the ability as players to completely derail this whole thing and make every encounter every conversation last four episodes if we decide to Hmm. we could take it down such rabbit holes and where is that line we don't know what duff has in mind we don't know what are dead ends and so do we talk to these guys do we make the episode longer or do we just kind of call it good I don't know. If it really bothers you, you can just buy the, the AP and read it. <laughs> <laughs> Considering. <laughs> so, looping back around to the original question, though, are we ever going to tie these loose ends up? What are the loose ends? Well, you've listed several of them. The idea from the GM's perspective is not to give you uh, just a bunch of things that you can do, but give a bunch of directions that it could go. Some things you'll be able to explore immediately. Some things will take a while, right? An AP in the Pathfinder world is six books long. It's about somewhere each book is around 70 pages of story or so, 60 pages of story, and then 30 pages of additional material. And we're talking about six books worth of that much material, right? So this this is a long, long journey. And there will be things that are introduced in episode two, three, four, that may not come back until episode 75, but there will be things that come up that get revealed and and handled earlier than that. So I, I'm asking you to have a little faith that that I do know which ends are loose and what needs to be tied up. And I'm happy that people are noticing some of those loose ends. And uh, and some of them will take longer than others to get to, but but I'm not leaving huge storyline stuff that you can't cover. And if there was something that you missed that was super, super important, I'd find a way to reintroduce it somewhere down the line. To put it in perspective, what page would you say that we're on? 
11 <laughs> episodes in. We are on page 21, I believe. Let me just double check. Yeah, 20. We're on page 20. So technically, books are split into chapters, and we have finished chapter one. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Is that when we hit level two? Yeah, you hit level two around the end of chapter one, which you actually did a little bit of extra stuff here and there, like... So, for example, you didn't have to save Jerov, right? You didn't have to reunite him with his father. You gained a little bit more XP from doing those things that allowed you to get to level two a little bit before some other parties will get to level two. What sort of cold-hearted bastard would leave a kid crying in the room with a bunch of dead people? Well, it's not that we would not do it. It's that we would fail to do it. Like, oh. try to get him out of there without fighting the Ankrov and ah, he dies. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, or that makes more the, sense. Or, or opening the, the door. Or, yeah. yeah. Opening the door and the Almirage gets in and kills his dad or something like that. Like th- those types of things ah. can happen. And and one of the cool things about a tabletop RPG is those things can happen and we can roll with it. Whereas a video game, even the best, deepest video games like, you know, The Witcher 3 or something like that, they still can only plan so much. There, there are storylines you just can't go down because in the end, there's not an actual person controlling where everything goes and not to push this conversation further and make this our longest opening ever (laughs) Uh, but i do want to let listeners know that as players we legit don't know what what's happening uh we we come into these cold for the most part we plan out some small things like the crossbow thing you heard well pretty much everything on our day off we we had an idea of that right but we didn't have it all scripted out, planned out. But the stuff that Duff throws at us, yeah, we're coming in cold. Yep. And and I mean when I when I take it, I take it from the AP and then I try to put a spin on it that will make things more interesting for such and such a character or to to build in something that will tie into a character's storyline down the road. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but but we go and and we work work our way through it and trust trust us that it'll all come together in the end. All right, I don't trust you at all. <laughs> uh, speaking of working our way through it, let's uh, let's make some progress here. I'm uh, I'm excited to do this. All right. By the way, it's Slurson's job to keep this ship rolling. <laughs> it's on a board next to me. It says, "Keep ship rolling." <laughs> yeah. Well, Which it's is confusing because just, ships don't have wheels. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, when a ship rolls, that's actually not such a great idea. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> It's 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 a fun thing that we do in that technically the GM is supposed to handle all this stuff, keeping things on track, doing all that. But we've split up some of those duties. So it's it's nice. It makes my life a little bit easier. I can focus on the story. Did you just walk all over my transition? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, we'll take it out and post. No big deal. I figured it was it was time to to pay you back. You've walked you walked all over Corey's last week. Boom, bitch. He's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that now. Let's get to my job. <laughs> All right. Speaking of doing our jobs. It is. <laughs> it is the next day on the job. You had your day off. Everybody explored their, their own interests. Ago and Cal hung out a little bit, worked on the crossbow. Frost got to explore a little bit about who he was and and how he came to be and we learned that there's a little bit more mystery to quinn than maybe we had first thought he's got a strong hand yeah. <laughs> there's something going on there and <laughs> he's apparent- got a cursed mood ring 
And apparently somebody <laughs> thinks he's not who he says he is, which, you know, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I don't know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> for now, you're heading into Edgewatch Station, the headquarters, for a meeting with your old friend, Lieutenant Lavarsis, the captain of the Edgewatch. Jonah Jameson. We got it. J. Jonah Jameson. So you walk in to the door. I you'll all come in around the same time. It's early morning. See Shepard at the desk. See Alo, and Alo looks at you and he says, "All right, gentlemen. Uh, the lieutenant wants to see." You. I exchange some looks with the other guys and uh, say, "Well, I guess it's about time." Well, let's uh, let's go in with a uh, better attitude than that. Uh, it didn't go so well for us last time. This is definitely about the dead animals. I was wondering if that was going to be the case. Th that reminds me, we never picked up the, the cockatrice. I was going to find out if we could eat that. It, uh, it still belongs to them, whether it's alive or dead. Yeah, I wouldn't push it right now. I'll go, I think. Uh, the situation is that we're in trouble, so I wouldn't bring up uh, jerky no, no, in no. this meeting. No, it should be uh, between you guys and me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess we gotta go, though. Alo looks at you always. I, I did you a favor. You had a bit of a rough day. I told you you had to come in and write some reports today. Last night, I, I chatted with the people at the zoo, Raisa, Telemond, got got a report of the basic stuff. We'll still need more information from you, but I got a general gist of what's going on, and I passed that on to the lieutenant. So he'll he'll probably have some questions for you, but uh, you, you saved a little bit of paperwork along the way. I interviewed a few of them for you. He starts ushering you up the hallway. You get to the lieutenant's office and you move in and the lieutenant leans against his desk, arms crossed, he's got that cigar in his mouth. The same one from the first episode? <laughs> he's, he's always chewing that cigar. He loves that cigar. So sorry. Golly, that is nasty. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's dripping. It's no big deal. Dripping with saliva. And he shakes it off a little bit. Well, all those reports says you didn't screw up the menagerie call too badly, but don't let it go to your heads. We got bigger problems than a couple of escaped pets. While you were busy playing catch the cockatrice, somebody stole one of the exhibits, some some device called Gravebreaker. Broad daylight, thousands of pounds of magical excavator, and it's just gone, right un under our noses. He shakes his head in disgust. I got my best people. <laughs> no, not you. Pulling double shifts until we figure out who took it and how in the hells they pulled it off. But until then, someone else is going to have to shovel all of this. And he looks around at these reports that are all over his desk, like just covered in paper. It says here, he continues, you reported some missing persons, a, a wandering wizard, and some randy zookeepers. Well, half the reports on my desk are about the same thing. Now, I can't have my top detectives chasing down every runt who didn't hold mommy's hand at the fair. So instead of I'm putting you on it, track down these strays and see if there's more here than just a bunch of drunks and runaways. And for Abadar's sake, don't mess it up, or I'll have you investigating the latrines and the holding cells till they shine like the first vault. Clear? Uh, uh, sure. Yes, sir. Ah, I, I see they've learned a little bit here, Alo. Yeah, they don't they don't say as much as they uh, they did that first day. Uh, you have any questions for me? 
uh, Frost turns and starts walking out of the door. <laughs> because he's, he's worried that he's going to be told to leave like he was last time. But uh, he'll stop and turn around to see if maybe he's not learning. He's trying. You weren't dismissed. What Do you, you have any questions? I, I'm asking you to check these reports. You, you don't have any questions about what's in them? I mean, I assume that you were going to f- make us read them and not read them to us. I, I'm just trying to make this as easy as possible, but... Uh, mm-hmm. He's not so bad, Olo. <laughs> uh, l- Lieutenant, I, I do have uh, one, one question. Uh, how many people are we talking about? Uh, at least a half a dozen. Well, actually, you know what? It looks like it's more like... Oh, man. It, it looks like we're looking at about a dozen or more. I got the, I mean, I'll give you some of the reports. You can see names uh, I've got. Uh, the guys you've reported. Uh, some some adventurers uh, have gone missing. Uh, just people, most of them aren't from the city. And uh, we don't have many leads on them. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, maybe we go. Uh, Lieutenant? Uh, may we may we be dismissed, sir? Yeah, get out of my sight. Frost will uh, go back and grab the files off the desk, I guess, and uh, head down the stairs. Olo's carrying some of them as well. There's a lot of them. So you head downstairs, wow. and you move into the general offices at the Edgewatch. You're down. This is the smoke-filled room from earlier in the show, and uh, he just sits you down, and he's got a whole bunch of missing persons. He tells you that there is a woman named Anastasia Corvus, a human Iriseni merchant. You haven't seen her yet uh, selling ice, was, came to, the, to Absalom to sell ice wine, just gone. Kamenelis, whom you already know about, Archibald Knight and Manera Frum that you reported about, Alama Mohasso, a dwarven scholar. It's okay if you can't spell these names. We'll write. Well, you, you can go to the wiki to see how these names are spelled. Uh, <laughs> you say Alama Mo? A, Alama Mohasso, a dwarven okay. scholar from Rahadum uh, who came to study at the Fore Logos. Uh, Lerma Swampwalker, a gnome ranger from Vidrian who came for the fair. The the Sakta family, they're Jalmeri tourists, a mother, a father, and two kids. And Olo looks and he says, this is the one. This is the only one we have a lead on. And he points at uh, a list of five names. Takeko Lon, Raj Aozo, Asayo Uruya, Nakuroto, and Shuno Danoma. And they are, well, Olo tells you, these are some uh, Minkayan stonemasons. They work at the Dragonfly Pagoda. Uh, that's in the same area where Gravereaker was stolen, out on the Silver Lawn. You've been out there on patrol before. So I think I'm going to send you out there, and uh, you can talk to uh, Ama... Uh, let me just check one second. Ama... Ama Uomi. She's the, the chief architect at the Dragonfly Pagoda. You can chat with her, and maybe she can give you some more information on, on those workers. Olo, uh, quick quick word, if you don't mind. Uh, the lieutenant, does he really not care about these people as much as it seems? When you've been in this line of business as long as we have, you got to understand Absalom's a big city and people go missing a lot. Now, 
It's strange to have this many people missing all at once, and with the festival on, I'm guessing he's getting quite a bit of heat from people higher up than he is. The the McKayans, for example, that's that's a, a really important exhibit, the Dragonfly Pagoda. That's uh, They're from Tian Sha. This is important people that would have connections with people as high as the Grand Council, and I'm guessing he's hearing it. So I don't think he's as nonchalant about it as he's l- l- letting on. Uh, but he also is probably aware of just how difficult it is to find missing people in Absalom. You know, there are more than 300,000 people in this city. And with the festival coming, we're looking at as many as 300,000 more coming through. And it seems unlikely that if you don't have any leads that you're going to find these people. So it's not that he doesn't care. It's more that he's he's been doing this long enough that he knows it, it's, a, it's difficult. Well, we've not been doing this long. And some of the stuff I've seen, although it don't sit right. It don't sit right, and to to just talk so casually about people who may have ended up like the people that we've just seen, it really lit a fire, if you know what I mean. I understand. I'll have a chat with him, but you got to understand this is a man that's been through uh, some serious battles. He's been with the Watches for a long time. He's fought things you think you've seen bad. He was there at the Fiendflesh Siege. He was there when the Whispering Tyrant tried to come to Absalom. This man has seen things that would make the hairs on your neck stand up, and I would cut him a little bit more slack. I understand he's he's got a lot of bark, but he does care about people. He's a good man. He keeps things... <sighs> let, me, let me put it this way. I don't know what you know about the other watches, but there's a lot of corruption in the watches of Absalom, but not... Not in Lavarsus's watch. He is very strict about that. He has the best people. So if you're on this watch, it means he trusts you. It means he thinks that you can get the job done. So while it seems like he doesn't care, trust me, he does. Thank you, Sergeant. Hey, it could be worse, said the Shristi and the sons in the foreign quarter. They've got bodies turning up. All the time. They've got a hell of a mess on their hands. Gang warfare going on. Missing people, that's bad. Chances are they just decided to disappear themselves. Or they, they went back and didn't tell anybody. That's that's for you guys to find out. We we are spread very thin right now. Gravereaker, if you think they're, that these Minkayan stonemasons going missing has got some heat, you can imagine what the magical excavator that was to build the Radiant Festival has got going for Lavarsis. This is uh, stressful times. Don't take it too seriously. Well, I can promise you, Alo, we may not have the most experience in the watch, but we'll put the most of what we have towards this. What you what you did at the zoo, I mean, it's unfortunate you had to put those animals down, but you saved their key attraction, and you saved a lot of people. And I'm sure for you, uh, maybe that was the first time some of you saw death. Uh, he looks at Frost. Not all of you, I'm sure. But uh, but that can be tough. And if you need someone to talk to about that, you can talk to me about it. But I can tell you it doesn't get a lot easier. And Cal gives Ago a glance. Kind of pats him on the back lightly. I cut my eyes towards, uh, towards Cal, and, and I, I nod at him almost imperceptibly. 
And then I take a, a long stare at uh, Sergeant Ola, and I say, Sergeant, hey, uh, when we brought uh, Eunice in, you say something about uh, two days before a report gets filed for missing people. How, how long these missing, these uh, McKayan uh, stone masons been missing? And was it Ama uh, Yomi who, who, who made the report? Uh, I, I believe it was Ama Yomi. Um, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I think it's only been a day or two, but when people with that kind of power push, uh, sometimes reports get filed a little faster. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you that, that when, when foreign diplomats start pushing, sometimes the process gets speed, sped up a little bit. Ah, okay. All right, so I think you, uh, you ought to get heading out to the Dragonfly Pagoda. It's out on the Silver Lawn. Like I said, you've been there before. I think that, uh, I think Skinny and, uh, and Kerr are heading that way. Sorry, sorry. Detective Bolera and Corporal Batiste. And he, he looks over at a couple people. And one is this tall, hard-looking man. Light-skinned, but like super dark eyes. You've seen him at the Edgewatch before, but you've never interacted with him. This is Corporal Batiste. Allo calls him over. Corporal Batiste, and the man just like snaps a salute at Allo, and he he looks at you as as though there's this look in his eyes, almost like, why aren't you wearing your uniforms as crisply as mine? Like he's like meticulously uniformed. He he just looks like something out of a catalog for military officers, right? He is he's oh. perfectly oh. everything. <laughs> Frost will go toe-to-toe with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro- probably Frost would be the only one he would look at and be like, yep. And uh, so he's a hard-looking man. And he, he salutes him. Yes, sir. Uh, I, need you, I need you to walk with these. You guys are heading over to the Silver Lawn to check out the Grave Raker situation. I'd like you to take, take some of our newer recruits. These are the, the, the ones I was telling you about that figured things out at the menagerie. They had a tough day. Ah, yes, sir. Heard a lot. Uh, uh, I'd be happy to walk over to the. Why are why are they are they helping with the the Gravebreaker case? No, no, I love Arsis. <laughs> and they both kind of chuckle at that, like, oh, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it's known among amongst the Edge Watch that th- these are fairly high level characters that are being uh, set up for this. The Gravebreaker is a huge deal for the Grand Council and. Quite frankly, you're, you as characters don't want to be involved with Grand Council shit because this is like Game of Thrones stuff, right? Like, just avoid that for now. Allo looks up. He's, there's this woman, a, a, attractive woman, long light hair walking by, blue eyes. She's wearing a hat. She walks up. How you doing today, Allo? He, he just smiles at her. Batiste, he salutes at her. They... Uh, Look over to you. What's what's going on, boys? Well, uh, I th- I'd like you and and Corporal Batiste to walk over to the to the Silver Lawn with these gentlemen. Is that all right? Sure thing, Hollow. Anything for my best friend. And she gives him a little nudge, and he 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 kind of blushes, and and uh, you can see him smile and and kind of wink. He, he he's clearly taken. She's got this like charm just oozing out of her. Cal gives her a napkin to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> they they start heading out the door. You coming, boys? Right behind you. 
Ago stands up and uh, he goes over to near the front entrance desk and he pulls up, uh, throws a big sack over his shoulder and you hear the clink of uh, metal. And that's, at that point you realize that he's wearing a completely different set of armor at this stage. It's not the one that he borrowed, it's not anything else. It's actually just, uh, it's brigandine armor. And it's got, it's white canvas on the outside and it has, a, a, again, another freshly painted crest of Absalon on it. Uh, so this is not a breastplate like he's been wearing. And it's certainly not anything like he's... Uh, his grandfather's armor. I'll go. Did you, did you get a new collar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, so, uh, day off, right? Yeah. So, uh, I went uh, I went back to the, the quartermaster, and uh, he gave me this, and he thumps his chest on it. Brigandine, better. Yeah. Gonna be no more rust monster on my armor. Ha <laughs> ha. Covered with cloth. I got this thing now. And Shepard is at the desk as you're doing that, and he looks at you. You guys heading over with uh, Batiste and Bolera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are going to walk with us. Get any tips you can. She's the best. What, what, what about him? He's all right, too. He's very regimented, but he gets the job done. But she, she's like a, like a savant when it comes to, to solving crimes. There is nobody in the Edge Watch, maybe in Absalom, that solves crimes like Skinny Bolera. What was her rank again? She, she's an investigator. She doesn't have a, a rank in the same sense. She's detective, I guess, would be her rank. So, I think for us, the detectives were sergeants equivalent to, right? I think so. Okay. I think that that's was, how we set it up. So is um is so is, is Corporal Batiste? Is he skinny or is she skinny? She's skinny. She is. She's the skinny. Okay. So right. it's Corporal Kerr Batiste, okay. and she's Detective Desdalin Bolera, but they okay. call her skinny. Got it. Okay. All right. Is she actually skinny, or is that like yes. when you call a fat guy tiny? No, she is. She is. She's quite thin. Okay. It's not uh, an ironic nickname. You, uh, you described him a bit. Are they human or? He is a human. She's a half elf. Okay. I want the listeners to know that I have not written down a single note <laughs> up until this episode, and now. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to do because this is not my forte. So if, if you're here and you're, there's names just flying at you, don't worry if you don't if you didn't catch all those names. You know, the missing people, there were a lot of names on that list. We're jumping back and forth with all, a bunch of different Edgewatch agents. It's okay if you didn't get all those names. They'll, they'll, these are people that will be coming back. Um, and even better, you could go to the wiki yeah, and, right. and read about them there. Yeah, we're going to post them all up. And it's always from the character's perspective. It's from, it's from our perspective. So, you know. You'll learn about them as we learn about them. Well, gee whiz, misters, <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> All right, so I have slung my sack of armor over my shoulder, and I'm, I trot back to you guys, and uh, I'm ready to go. All right, so Alo said that we need to check out a particular family. Uh, who was that again? Looks at Alo, or uh, sorry, looks at Ago, points at him. Oh, the Sakti family, but I think we've been, uh, we've been told to go to the the Dragonfly Pagoda, and talk to the, the missing storm mission. Yeah? That was the one that we have the lead on? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. All right, whatever you guys say. I'm most interested in Sakti family. Uh, things with family is very bad. You know, storm mission, ah, they, they work, you know? Well, we, it's important we follow up on that, of course, but uh, I'm more concerned about the family, too. But I guess we've been told to go to the same storm mission, so, you know. We it's go. not about who's more important. It's about who we have a lead for, Ago. Yeah, okay. That uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So I start walking out the door. The corporal and the detective are walking with you. So uh, I heard 
I heard a little bit about the zoo. You guys fought a, an owl bear. That's impressive. She's looking at, at Frost on that one. Well, uh, yeah, you know, it, uh, it beat us up pretty good. It, uh, it definitely knocked me on my ass. But, uh, you know, got back up and finished the job. So that's a tough fight. I, I fought an owl bear once, uh, barehanded, of course. But uh, <laughs> the fight lasted about uh, I don't know, ten seconds. So uh, you know, they uh, it was equal footing there. You were both barehanded. <laughs> I like this guy. He's funny. Uh, and she looks over at at Quinn. He's funny, <laughs> the right? Look of, the look of disappointment on Corey's face after I said that. <laughs> Corey Corey loves puns until he doesn't love puns anymore. <laughs> it's true. There is a hard line. So she looked over at Quinn. Yeah, at she that? looked over at Quinn. He's funny, huh? Oh yeah, Big Blue's real, real funny. <laughs> Big Blue? Is that your name, Big Blue? It is now. You can call me Frost. <laughs> All right, Frost. Everybody's calling you Big Blue. All right, well, Big Blue it is. And Batiste, like, serious face the whole time. I heard there was a rust monster, too. Those things will do a real number on your your gear. Yeah. Oh, you better believe it. That damn thing. I take my uh, my, my grandfather armor and uh, turn it to, into junk. Uh, fortunately, uh, there's a smith who's uh, who, who said he was going to fix it. You know, Parva? I don't know Parva, but... Uh, it's great that he's going to fix it. And he looks over at Cal. You don't wear any armor. Well, t- typically I, tr- I try to stay out of arm's reach, you know. I see. I see. And he, he, he looks very confused by the idea of walking around with no armor as uh, an agent. Hey, speak of armor. And I jingle, jostle the, the sack that's slung over my shoulder. And I say, I we on the way to the, the Silver Lawn. I got to stop off. Uh, I'm going to go see Pava real quick. I join you up at the, the Pagoda, you know? Uh, we can we can do the job there. Uh, okay with you guys? That's fine with me. Okay. I uh, I see you guys there. And I start making my way off the street, you know, to the side. And I'm kind of trotting along. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of stuff... Uh there not too long ago. Does somebody want to go with him? He's, uh, I don't know if we should split up completely. I'll head out with him. I slow down and I look over my shoulder and I, I see that Quinn's starting to follow. Like, okay. Yeah, 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 you guys right. Yeah, we probably ought to stay together. And, uh, Quinn picks up the pace and, uh, heads out with Aga. Alright, so as they head off, uh, Cal and Frost are still heading through bustling streets. You're still in the main precipice quarter heading into the Radiant Festival. Even though it's only been about a week since you first made this trip, you can see that Absalom has gotten even busier in that week, that the festival is starting to to grow in terms of size of the festival itself, but also in terms of the interest. Uh, Remember that this is a year-long festival. It's only been going for about a week, and the grand opening itself doesn't happen for a couple months. So things are getting busier, lots of carts coming and going, uh, and Batiste and Bolera are heading off with Frost and with Cal off to the Silver Lawn where they'll they'll later meet up with Ago and Quinn. As we're walking, Cal is seeing this increased popularity of Absalom, just all these people, and he's just doing quick calculations. He's like, okay, there were like a dozen people in the zoo, and it took us all damn day. Like, he's just sitting there like, how are we supposed to even make a dent and everything's going to happen here. And, like, he's just getting more and more stressed out. He's not saying anything, but, like, yeah. he's, he's just getting stressed out. You're looking a little stressed there, my friend. 
This is Bolera. She's a very perceptive character. <laughs> I didn't know your percep- perception was that high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I was I'm just you know thinking about what we've been doing day in day out, and you know not used to this. We're new, right? So. Hey, that's understandable. I was there uh, at one point too, you know? And she smacks Batiste on the back. And he just keeps staring forward. Obviously, she's done this before. Maybe one day you'll be the best in the Edge Watch, just like I am. Right, right Batiste? What do, you, what do you think, Big Blue? Well, speaking of you being the uh, the best around, Lavarsis has us looking into these missing people, uh, some stonemasons that work on the Dragonfly at Pagoda. All right. We've uh, we've never looked into a missing person before. What uh, what should we be on the lookout for? What questions do we ask? Well, you you gotta see who who last spoke to them, who last saw them, who who maybe if they they had a place they wanted to be, maybe if they wanted to get out get out of town, if anybody wanted them dead. Uh, you're talking about a, a whole group of stonemasons? Yeah, uh, I think five, all in the same day. Five people going missing at one time sounds like, you know, uh, either they just fucked off or or some sort of natural disaster. It seems unlikely five people would have the same thing befall them. That's what we're thinking, and just uh, coincidentally, uh, probably not, though, uh, they think they went missing on the same day or just before Gravebreaker. Hmm. Gravebreaker's a... That's a, a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, I guess they could have something to do with it, but... Seems unlikely. Uh, that thing's pretty magical, and you're talking about some some stonemasons. The the likelihood that they they'd be the ones involved. Are you suggesting they were involved? Or they saw something they shouldn't have. That's my working theory. But I mean, I have very little information to go on. Hmm, that's interesting. We'll be asking questions. Maybe maybe at some point I'll have to look into these stonemasons myself, or maybe we could share some notes. Huh, Big Blue? <laughs> as soon as I start taking notes, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Batiste said. Just staring ahead. So, uh, when you fought those creatures, you you weren't wearing any armor? <laughs> Technically, on my character sheet, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing armor. <laughs> the, the shirtless thanks for flavor. No, I wasn't giving you a hard time about that. I just wanted to know, uh... They're armored uh, pants. I mean, Batiste would be looking at you going like, Dude, what's going on? You're crazy. You saw Argo, how he could barely move. His, his arms were just basically out... At 90 degree angles, he can't move in that stuff. Whereas me, and he like pops his weird looking pajama pants, I can do anything I want. He does a little cartwheel, <laughs> he does a split. <laughs> make him roll acrobatics. <laughs> Please make him roll acrobatics. <laughs> Performance. <laughs> I like this kid. He, he seems kind of acrobatic. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do roll it. Do it. <laughs> She's smacking Batiste on the back. Not everyone's as stuffy as you, Batiste. That's a nineteen acrobatics. There you go. And, and she she just laughs as you you do some cartwheels. I mean, you can describe what it looks like if you want. Basically, he's just showing how well they breathe. Like he's just doing some deep lunges. He's like, ugh, ugh. Well, it's real awkward. Uh, I guess if it works for you, you keep walking, keep heading on. And uh, let's go see what's going on with Ago and Quinn. Well, we go down the street and uh, go into the shop, and um, Ago drops off the armor, uh, talks to Parva real quick, points out some of the, the, the pits from where the, the Oncrov acid 
splashed into the into the armor, and he apologizes for that. And then, uh, and then I guess Parva tells him that the armor, that his his grandfather's armor, is almost repaired. And that's when Aga taps. I tap my 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 new armor, and I'm going to say I, I'm I'm good with that. So we'll head back out. I'm going to leave it with Parva that we'll pick up the armor uh, later on. And uh, I think it's time for us to, to try to re- rejoin the others. What do you say there, Jeremy? Yeah. He'll be here when you get back. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Pava. You are good. You are a good guy. How's it going, everyone? I know this is a long episode, but I wanted to jump in here real fast and ask you to please follow us on Twitter. There you can find things like the maps we use for combat, some character art that we're trying to make, and maybe even some enemy art if we can. We also like to share content from other amazing content creators in the tabletop RPG community. So stop by, follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the show. And we'll head out into the street again. And um, I take a look around, put my hand on my hips, and uh, look around and I say, yeah, there are more people on the street now. You notice that, uh, Quinn? Yeah, there's a there's a lot more people, a lot more to look out for, you know. Yeah, this um, this weighing on my mind. I um, I'm not so certain that uh, I got to say, man. Uh, you've been very helpful for me, but uh, the last couple of day, I, I realized this job is much bigger than I thought. You know, I thought we would just be walking around, uh, maybe help some people out. I had no idea. So yeah, it's a lot bigger of a pain in the ass than uh, I initially signed up for. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, uh, what you say? We gotta go to talk to the other guys. We maybe meet up with them, but uh, maybe uh, maybe stop off and get a get a little bit of a little bit of meat. There's a street vendor I know right down the street. Oh, we get a beer? I don't know. If we get a beer. I think we gotta join the others. I don't know. If we got time for that yet. But uh, I could do with a little bit of you know something. I pat my belly. I do a little bit of something. All right. Well, let's go. So we'll make our way down the street and uh, stop off at a street vendor um, who's selling meat on a stick uh, and uh, pick up that. This is Steve's brother. Steve's brother? All right. <laughs> Steve. Stan. I don't think Steve was actually in the podcast. I don't Steve think Gleason. Either. Yeah, I don't know if he was either. All right, so I'll just pick up some uh, sort of meat on a stick and uh, start walking down the street and heading back towards uh, the, the silver lawn. And I'll, I'll look up at Quinn. Hey, Quinn. Yo, I didn't uh, I didn't get to see you much on a on a day off. <laughs> but uh, h- how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. It uh, it's a pretty quiet day for me. Just kind of hung around the barracks. I did uh, go out and find some herbs, though. I might uh, I might be able to make some potions for you guys pretty soon. That would be real good. And I pat the the pouches on my waist and I say, I still keep that uh, that uh, that sack you gave me. I uh, I don't know what kind of protection to give, but uh, any nods at you. I still uh, still really appreciate your help. Especially, you know, I got to say, I got knocked down by that owlbear pretty bad. And uh, when I look up, there was you. You know, you you, uh, you really helped me out, man. It's no problem. You hear from the street. Ice cold beer here. Ice cold beer. Get your ice cold beer. It's Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> uh, Quinn's going to perk up and uh, look over at Ago and say, Ago, I, I think they're playing a song. <laughs> I don't know, man. We got to go, you know, but uh, 
You think we got time for one? One, two, you know, whatever, wherever the day takes us. I mean, you know, the other guys, they're, 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 with, they're in good hands, right? Well, they with the, the best of the best, apparently. I mean, Cal is that, you know, really good note taker. <laughs> yeah, he always got that little pad in his hand, you know, he's, uh, he's sketching stuff out and stuff. I am uh, very impressed by him. I think we got time. He's just drawing dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's American Vandal. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll we'll go over there. This is, you know, Argo doesn't really, I don't really know what my responsibilities are technically. But, hey, hey, Quinn, I think we got time. We got some time. Part of the job, you know, we got to figure out who everybody is, right? We got to say hi to everybody and make sure everything okay. Yeah, you're always saying how, you know, you got to make connections, meet the neighborhood. I think that man over there, Selen the beer, we probably see lots of people. Maybe we make a connection with him. He might know this, the, the sock puppet family or whoever you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the sock tea family, you big dog. We go sounds like awful tea. <laughs> we, go, we go check this guy out. Maybe he knows this, the sucker, the sucker trees family. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Quinn's, Quinn's going to walk toward uh, the, the, the voice yelling out beer. You want one? Come on. You're not on duty, right? You can you can grab a beer here. Well, we still are on duty, but I have no problem with drinking a bit of beer, you know? Uh, <laughs> my name is Argo Ishlada. This guy here, his name is Quinn. Uh, and as you can see, and he thumps his chest. Yeah, we part of the edge watch, but uh, <laughs> uh, what's your name? Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good to meet you, Bobby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they call me Bobby so, the Beer Man. Bobby the Beer Man. Yeah. Yeah. Best beer you can get in Absalom. Bobby oh, the Beer Man. This guy here, and he points at Quinn. He say, "I think he know all about the best beer." I, uh, I we, believe him. We maybe got to find out. <laughs> what you say, Quinn? I mean, if it's uh, if it's cold in beer, I'm gonna, I'm good with it. You guys know what you're talking about. He, and he moves over. He starts pouring a couple from the taps. Brings them out. Slams them down. He says. This one's on me for the edge watch. This is like always sunny when they, they bought the police car to get free hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Only better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I, yeah, I will reach up off of the and, and grab it, the beer down off of the, the the table that's presumably over my head. Yeah, are are we at like just a like a stand or is yeah. there a bar yeah, yeah. or? Yeah, it's not. This is not like a restaurant or pub or anything. This is just uh, a would look like Grunka and Palmo's like stands like quick quick stand they've got some kegs there and, and just pouring you a couple beers got it so I'll take the beer down and I'll turn around to face the street and I'll just sort of I'll take a good good long sip of that is it as good as he says it is no Did it I... really isn't <laughs> <laughs> so I, I smack my lips and uh, huh, okay and I look over at Quinn wow what you think Bobby uh, he good Quinn's going to uh, take a sip test it out and as he does that something jets out of his sleeve and smashes the glass it's like a manage shrimp just shatters the glass and just a a look of just dread comes over Quinn he has a moment where he's just like this is the point that I walk away maybe but he just looks over at Ago. I stepped, I staggered back at that, and um, I dropped the, my own mug uh, from where it is, and I draw my kukri out, and I said, what the hell was that? 
Why are you guys breaking all my glasses? <laughs> I gave them for you for free and two broken glasses. Oh, fuck. No, I was, I'm sorry. I take care of this for a minute. But, uh, yeah, and I dig in my uh, pouch for a couple of coppers and I, uh, I, I pull them out and I say, I lay them on the table. I say, I for the, sorry for the mess. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I, I apologize for getting so upset uh, when you make the greatest beer in Absalom. You know, people, people get upset. I was so shocked, you know, I was, that's why I guess it dropped. And my friend here, he, he's good with beer, but I guess uh, your beer's so good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he just sort of turns away and shaking his head. He's going to get like a mop or something like that. Say, listen, Quinn, what the hell? Quinn's going to uh, walk off into an alley and gesture Ago over there, off the street. I follow. Absolutely, I follow. So Quinn walks into the alley. He's, uh, he's about 10 feet from Ago. He pulls up his sleeve, and there's a collection of stones wrapped into a bracer. And it slowly starts to turn red and descends from his arm. And it's five stones of various sizes, one large one in the middle. And it looks like igneous rock, probably basalt. Each of the smaller stones are an appendage, and they're held together by leather, leather straps. And it, it slithers down off of your arm and onto and the ground? Just, yeah, it just descends. It's it's almost floating, but the uh, the bottom of pinches do touch the ground. Ago stops, and he's, he's you know, as he's right at the entrance to the uh, the alley, and he's still got, I've still got my kukri drawn, and I'm like, you know, I, I look up at you, and my eyes are very wide, and I, I, Quinn, wow, what did, what, what, what did, what did, and I can't go any further than that. Ago, I really don't fully understand what it is. All I know is that it's pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> I can take care of it. Well, maybe I don't know. And I sheathe my, my kukri. I wouldn't try. I've already tried. Quinn lifts up his uh, sleeve of, again, and he has almost like gouge marks from where it looked like he was trying to remove it. Damn. Wow. Uh, okay. Jesus. I uh, I look up at that arm and um, I look down at this this creature that's still in front of me and I and I you know I never seen something like this. Uh, Queen Queen. Uh, and I point at that at the thing that's on the ground. Yeah, I know. The, I have the same reaction. But I gotta I gotta ask you not to tell the other guys or anybody at Edgewatch Station about this. Uh... Yeah, um... It would be best for me if I don't have a lot of questions. But I'll give you two, if you promise. <laughs> not to tell uh, the other guys about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I, you don't want to show it. I owe you. You you save me. So, uh... The only question you can't ask is where I got it from. Okay. Well, okay. I ask this question. What the hell is that thing? <laughs> Don't know. Question two. <laughs> well, it's just down there and it's staring at me with those funky little, uh, funky little rock eyes. I, uh, it freaked me out, man. I got to say. From what I can tell, it's some kind of artifact, or you know, it's it's. I guess it's kind of my familiar, but I'm not very very familiar with it. <laughs> 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 I pause and look back and forth between the two of you for uh, quite a few seconds, and I say. Um, Quinn, um, 
And I look pointedly at your arm, and I, and I say, So that thing, that's why you always cover your arm up? Yeah. If you look, it's got, a, it's got some kind of writing on the side of it. I can't read it. I've, I've went and done some research, and I can't find those symbols anywhere. But I do know if you, uh, if, even if we can't read it, I know enough about smuggling that somebody be able to identify this. It's unique in some way. I never seen nothing like this for sure. Uh, you, you nicked on me. Um, and I start edging my way down the wall, or kind of around that thing, towards you. And I'm looking back out into the street, to you know, the sunshine there, to see if anybody's noticed any of this stuff. Has has it moved on the ground? It's it's just kind of, honestly, kind of just bumbling around. Okay. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem threatened by you at all. <laughs> okay. All right, well, this is spooking me out some, so, but I, I, I come over to you and I say, yeah, uh, let me take a look at that arm. And I reach out for your, your, uh, your arm. Uh, Quinn's gonna pull up his sleeve and put out his arm. What are you, what are you gonna do? I just want to see, uh, you know, I got some natural, he- I got some healing I can do. You know, my, my, my mother, she trained me how to, uh, she trained me some medicine. So I just want to see if you 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 hurt, you know. I can I can help out. No, I uh, I think these will be fine. They're this happened a little while ago. They're they're healed now, but I still have the scars. Okay, well, okay, I leave that to you. But uh, I, I mean, uh, are you 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 are you gonna be okay? If I can get rid of this fucking thing, maybe. Well, how are we going to get rid of it? It seems to not, what we supposed to do? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I've ran away, and it finds me. And that's why it latches on. This is a big thing. Um, we can kill it right now if you want. And, he, and I draw my cookery back out. The construct starts glowing bright red. And Quinn says, that's, that's, that's not the play there. Yeah, I can tell. Okay. So I sheathed the kukri again. And I'm still quite freaked out by this thing. Well, Quinn, you want me to keep a secret? I keep a secret for you. But uh, is that thing going to hurt any of us? Only me, I think. Well, that's no good. Well, it's, uh, it only, I guess, punishes me when I'm trying to have some fun. If that makes any sense. No, that, that don't make no sense at all. It punishes you. Well, I mean, I tried to have a beer and it wouldn't let me, so I think it's trying to make me better. Well, how knocking a beer out of your hand going to make you better? I guess it's just trying to point me in the right direction. The right direction was to drink a beer, you know? I, I agree completely. Well, okay. You need my help, Quinn. Anything. You got, I got your back. Do you swear? Yeah, is that what you need from me? I owe you. I owe you my life. I swear. Quinn nods, and the familiar... He puts his hand out, and the familiar um, climbs back up onto his hand and forms back into a bracer. And uh, Quinn's going to pull his sleep down. Ago shudders at the uh, sort of unnaturalness of it all, and then uh, he looks back out to the street and uh, looks up at you, and he says, Okay, man. And he looks at your arm for quite a few seconds, and he says... Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we go back to Cal and uh, and Frost now. Well, what you think? That sounds like a good idea. Hey, Ago, I'm I'm a little 
Surprised you didn't ask if I had a name for it. Right? It, it asked, you know, you only gave me two questions, you know? And the big question was for me, what the heck is that? But, uh, good question. You, what you call that? I've been just calling it Herbie. <laughs> Herbie? <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, back where I'm from, I had a, uh, I had an uncle that was a geologist. And I figured rock, geology, Herbie. You know, it's a pneumatic device. <laughs> that's a, that's a good name. Herbie. Herbie. You know, that's one of my family names. We have, uh, they're not, uh, they, 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 You know that name? Never heard of it. Yeah, they're very famous. Good beer, very good farmers in my village. Herbie. It's a shitty pneumatic device if it won't let you get hammered. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll make my way back out in the street, and uh, I guess, what do you want to do, Jeremy? You want to head back? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. <laughs> Ice dude, I freak cold the fuck out of me, dude. beer here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm waiting to be sour the Tower of Power. <laughs> All right. I look over at Bobby the Macho Man, and I just wave. <laughs> Nicely done, gentlemen. Uh, I think... I think that people are going to be pretty excited to learn a little bit more about the mysterious Quinn, and I think that that uh, roleplay has earned you a hero point. I'm actually Ooh. capped out on hero points. <laughs> oh, no hero points for anybody. Life's tough. But you should use those hero points. <laughs> right before you did that, I gave one of them to Frost. Sweet. Uh, I don't think we can exchange hero points like this. Oh, well. But what I can do is, since he was involved in the role play with you, I could give it to, to Ago. Your yeah. terms is acceptable. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ago gets a hero point since, right since uh, Quinn is maxed out. Don't be afraid <laughs> to use them. I, 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 don't, I guess I haven't given a ton of them, but, but they're there. You've actually given quite a bit. I'm trying to, give, I'm trying to make it that you get about one an episode or, or two. I didn't give much. You know what? The role play was really good last episode and I didn't give any for what I thought was really good role play. But that was because I gave you all one when you leveled up and I thought, you know, it's not candy. I can't just like throwing it out there. Gotta be a treat. I don't know. It sounds it sounds really creepy. <laughs> he throws I it, it away, he throws it at people. <laughs> What's up with you Here, and chucking candy? Have a tootsie roll right in your face. <laughs> all right. He has a really extensive trick-or-treat route <laughs> <laughs> all right cal and frost are back at the silver lawn ago and quinn have finished up getting ago's armor having their discussion and are heading back they're, they're not too far away from the silver lawn but uh we have frost and cal with a couple of minutes batiste and bolera have moved off they're they're in the area of of uh, where Gravebreaker was before, and you can see them doing stuff. They look like they have like magnifying glasses or something, doing <laughs> doing a little bit of work. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why this giant multi-ton Gravebreaker. They've got the magnifying glass out. This is Batiste. Bolera doesn't have that. Cal looks over and he sees he sees a kid with a blowgun, uh, just no, shooting <laughs> shooting spitballs at kids all over the Silver Lawn. Oh, and that's where you're going to leave it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, we don't want loose ends. So. <laughs> I imagine uh, Cal and Frost are just kind of laying back on on the silver lawn, just like <laughs> arms behind them, legs outstretched. Cal's like, 
Would you look at that? He's getting pretty good at it. I didn't know if he was going to use it. <laughs> I'm just glad he's not shooting something more dangerous than a, a spit wad. I mean, you know, this is just he's practicing. You know, he's going to put something more dangerous. Oh, in there. 100%. I mean, I, there's only a matter of time before he shoves some rocks down that thing, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you, do you remember when I found all those nails that one time? I, and I shoved them in the end of the blowgun, and I shot them at donkeys. I I remember that, and I remember you getting kicked real hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was a good life lesson. And, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to admit, I'm teaching this kid. You're, you're teaching him <laughs> something. I don't know if it's uh, something you should probably be teaching him, but maybe one day he'll uh, grow up and join the watch. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? If that donkey hadn't kicked me, maybe I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Speaking of ethical quandaries, in walk <laughs> Quinn and Ago, <laughs> as as you're lying on the lawn, and we are now in a situation where the party has met up again. What do you want to do from here? Cal, Frost, why are you laying on the job? Oh, we're waiting for you. Uh, tell me, why do you smell like beer? You got a good nose. Uh, yeah, I, uh, we ran into a guy, he uh, threw his beer at us, we had to take him back to Edgewatch. <laughs> right, Quinn? Do I believe him? <laughs> he, can ro- he can roll a, a deception. What is it? Uh, sense motive? It is still a No, it's my perception. Perception against his bluff. Yeah. Or deception, sorry. Yeah. Get those dice out. I rolled a 20. A natty 20? You're no, fucking lying. A 12 plus 8. <laughs> he only lies to me about his rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess that means that you under, you know that Ago is not telling the truth. Do you call him on it? I don't call him on it, but, uh, you know, Frost, uh, Frost gives him a look that makes him know that I know. In order to situate ourselves again, you got to remember we're on the silver lawn. So Batiste and Bolera have gone off to look at where Gravereaker was. And this is also the place that you were earlier where the walking tower of Kalesh was. This is where you ran into the thief. This area is meant for large international exhibits that can't fit in the Hall of Nations or that are too dangerous for the Hall of Nations. So you've got the walking tower of Kalesh, Gravereaker, and this area that you've just got to is the Dragonfly Pagoda. It's Minkai's Dragonfly Pagoda. This is a large structure intended to be seven stories tall, and it looks like a dragonfly in terms of shape. So the building is structured like a dragonfly. You kind of move through the back end of it, and there are rooms that make up the tail of the dragonfly. And then you've got a central structure that has wings made of glass, that are supported on pillars, and then the head of the dragonfly also supported on pillars. And then the idea is that it's going to go up several stories. And as you get to this area, you see that the ground is nice, beautiful green grass. I mean, this is the silver lawn, right? So at night, it's gonna be shining silver. You can see some cherry blossom trees. And at the edge of the building, you see a bunch of people standing around and you can hear a big commotion going on. All right, so you say edge of the building, like the side or behind it? It's on the south side of the building, 
heading towards the tail end, which the tail end of this building is actually to the uh, west. And is the tail of the dragonfly. It is the tail of the dragonfly. So the head's to the east, and then the tail is to the west. Can we see the participants in this commotion? What are we looking at? So you're looking at what appears to be, so you can see some very well-dressed people, some of them carrying papers or, or like what would look to us like binders or, or that kind of thing. And then some other people that are carrying tools, they look more like laborers and they're shouting back and forth at each other. I guess being the police force that we are, if there is a disturbance, we will, we will attempt to quell said disturbance. As you get closer, you can hear people shouting things like, you need to pay us for the work that we're doing. This is unacceptable. And then other people saying, what, hey, we're doing our best here. We're doing our best. We're running so far behind. And that's because you guys aren't doing enough work. Well, the kobolds did what they did because you're not getting their shit done. What the hell is going on here, Ama? And you see uh, a woman, very well-dressed, fairly slender, wearing glasses, looking a little bit flustered, staring back at them and just and just looking like she doesn't know what to say. I think we should go talk to her. I think he called her Ima. I think that's who we're, we're supposed to be looking for, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good idea. Either way, we need to uh, sort the situation out. Uh, I'm going to hang back a little bit because I want to see uh, w- what's going on. I don't want this to turn into some sort of fight, you know? All right, I'll go. Uh, we'll signal if we if we need you. Yeah, I stay, I stay nearby, but uh, I'll be ready. I want to be able to tackle these guys if we need to. <laughs> Do you say tackle or all three of you know? <laughs> All three of me, I'm going to tackle 20 people. Just from far away. Just <laughs> the puppy! <laughs> it's running towards me. Gravity weapon tackle. <laughs> As Ago moves around the building, I assume he's moving a little bit further away. No, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay about 20, 20 to 25 feet away from the, uh, the the guys as they're walking up to the crew, and I'm going to head around sort of to the to the side of the, the, the group of people to see okay. if they're, yeah. So luckily not you've, you've stayed within 200 yards so you can hear everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to stay within earshot because I got very nice ears, you know, right. even though they're crushed by my, my cap. As you walk around, you can see like lumber, big pieces of red lumber lying on the ground pieces of the building clearly as you're looking up you can see aren't aren't finished um as i said before it's supposed to be a seven story structure but at this point it looks like only one and a half stories are done so clearly something is going on that's delaying this we're not at the grand opening for a couple months but the festival is sort of open to the public and this building is nowhere near complete so that's what ago sees as he's as he's moving around as the others are moving up towards uh ama Ama Uomi, you notice that this area is a little bit more complete. The tail end of the dragonfly is a little more complete than what Ago would be seeing. Uh, so do you approach Ama? I guess we'll uh, approach her. Excuse me, are you Ama Uomi? I am Ama Uomi. Who, who's asking? She looks and she notices your your badge. Well, I'm I'm Frost from the uh, from the Edgewatch. Uh, this is my brother Cal. Quinn and I'll go over there. She bows slightly and then holds out a hand to Frost. Uh, Frost kind of awkwardly bows <laughs> and shakes mm-hmm. her hand. <laughs> like, I, no one's ever bowed to Frost before. <laughs> uh, 
I am Ama Uomi, the chief architect and head of construction for the Dragonfly Pagoda. As you can see, things aren't going very well right now. Yes, uh, we, we came here to discuss uh, another matter, but uh, it seems like you have a bit of a situation on your hand. Ama, it doesn't seem like we have your attention right now. Uh, I'm speaking to the Edgewatch. I will get back to you in a moment. Thank you. Please, please settle down. As they yell out at them at like that, the, the workers yell out to them, I'm going to start sauntering over towards them as well. So okay. I'll come within about 10 feet of them. Ama looks uh, over at Frost and the guys that are standing there and says, I may have made a slight mistake. And uh, I believe that it's... Well, let's be honest. It has caused some real problems here. There are delays in our construction and this is supposed to show the the grandeur of the empire of dawn and uh, well we fell behind we had a day crew as you can see and you can still hear the shouting in the background as you can see they're very upset about the working conditions they felt we were working them too hard so we decided we we'd have people work through the night uh, and we didn't have enough workers for that, so we made a rather unconventional choice. What? What'd you do? We hired a gang of kobolds, the Stone Scales, to help out with construction. Unfortunately, they kidnapped the night shift counterparts, and they are now barricaded inside. Oh, you definitely buried the lead there. So we've got a kidnapping on our hands now. Uh, yes, un unfortunately, that is the situation with which we've been trying to deal. And as you can see, the, the day laborers here are, are very upset. They can't get in to do their work, but it's it's too dangerous to allow them in there. Uh, we, we've had some discussion with uh, the kobolds, but just before you got here, they were throwing stones and yelling all kinds of ridiculous demands. We don't didn't know what to do. We were actually just about to send somebody for the Edge Watch when you arrived. Uh, first off, who was kidnapped? Uh, the the typical night shift workers, um, their laborers, Mikayan laborers. Do you you want their names? So, they're. I, I can give you their names if you want. That's something I, I think we'll get to later. It seems like possibly time is of the essence. Uh, so you're telling me that workers kidnapped other workers? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the kobold night shift uh, workers have kidnapped the human counterparts. So I, I don't need their names, but how many kobolds versus how many kidnapped people do we have? I couldn't tell you for sure how many kobolds. I know we we had six or seven that we had hired, but I've gotten the impression from from what I've seen around the building and the shouting that there are more than the ones we hired. They must have brought in backup from the Undercity, which is where they make their homes. In terms of our workers, there should be somewhere around a dozen of them in there. All right, uh... When did this first start? How long have they been held hostage? The the uprising began last night. Uh, 
I, I didn't hear anything about it until I got in early this morning, but uh, there have been some laborers who were, were coming in for the early day shift, and they said when they got here, the kobolds had already barricaded themselves inside and and were telling us that they had had kidnapped the other workers, and they were threatening their lives. And have they made any demands so far? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, unreasonable demands. Uh, they're asking for things like a, a seat on the Grand Council of Absalom, as if I would have the power to give them that. They don't seem to really understand the, the kind of situation they've gotten themselves into here. They've asked for ownership of the, the Dragonfly Pingo Pagoda. There's no way the Empress will allow that. We've been unable to negotiate with them because the things that they are demanding are well beyond our means to give. So as Ama is talking with all of the, with the guys, what are the day laborers doing? Still just, it looks like they're, they're talking amongst themselves, occasionally shouting out at some of the other dignitaries. So Ama's not the only Minkan dignitary that's there. There are some other, what appear to be dignitaries anyway, by their dress. The, the laborers seem to be sort of shuffling around, kind of looking around the building. They're not making any attempts to get inside or anything like that. Okay. Well, seeing that they're not, you know, about to threaten anything, I'm going to make my way. Still listening closely to what Ama is saying to the guys. I'll make my way over back to the group and, okay. uh, and join up with them again. Excuse us for a moment. I'm, uh, let, uh, we need to discuss our plan of action here. Uh, just give us a moment. Yes, sir. Uh... If you if you uh, are planning on going in, I do have uh, blueprints that I can show you, so that you'll you can have an idea of what you might come across inside the building. Uh, yeah, that would come in very very handy. Well, okay, yeah, you you discuss. I will go get get copies for you, and I will be back. The question I have that uh, I probably should have come over and asked directly. Oh, guys, I I over how to say they make demands, but. Uh, they, uh, they, they making demands with no threats? Are they actually going to make a, make a, make it dangerous for the, 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 the night shift or what? I'm pretty sure that's just implied by the fact that they're held hostage, right? Yeah, I never know what hostage mean, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they're, if they're keeping them inside, then there's obviously something that I want to do to them, to, to make them, make them try to get them on the gun council. I don't think we can do that, guys. There's nothing we can give these people. No, I mean, at best, we can offer maybe a pickle, maybe some jerky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the jerky would probably not work. Uh, it's good stuff, but uh, where, where, where are the other investigators? I don't see them when I walk up with, with Quinn. They're dealing with uh, Gravebreaker, bud. Yeah, I know, but, uh, you know, what are we supposed to do now? We're a junior guy. We're supposed to go and rescue these, 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 well, I guess we could be yellow. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is what we got tasked with, you know? Yeah, think about it, Argo. This is this is kind of a big deal and kind of our chance. We yeah. take care of this, and we're going to be looked upon pretty favorably. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I think we got to talk to those night shift guys anyway, right? Wait, what sort of timeline do you think that we're dealing with here? Do we need to speed through this? You know, is, is there danger? Do we need to gather more evidence? Do we need to split up? I. That's why I was asking them whether they make on some sort of threat, you know? Because if uh, if we got all day, hey, huh, let them stay on there. They eat their food. 
You know, as long as we just make sure that the hostages are being treated good, we got all the time in the world. It's uh, kind of like a, a, you know, like a siege. <laughs> I think the problem there is no work can be done on the pagoda until they are removed. And these people behind us, the other workers, won't get paid if they don't get to work. Yeah, I guess I'd make us look bad if we sit around and drink uh, drink tea. Yeah, and wait for They've them to come up. They've uh, also been in there, you know, quite a long time, right? Okay. They've been in there since the night shift. Well, maybe, maybe we make this easier for everybody. We get everybody away, you know, so the the cobalt inside they don't think that there's some sort of threat, you know. Uh, and then uh, and then we go up, and uh, like like I say, we be hero. I don't know how we be hero, but we we, we be heroes. We we talk home. And as as you're saying that, Ama arrives. She's carrying a bunch of you know scrolls. Uh, there's like a makeshift table just outside where some of the workers have been working, and she she unrolls one of them, and you can see the sort of interior layout of the building. It's what you would expect based on the shape of the building. There's a couple of smaller square rectangular rooms, that type of thing. Uh, the central part of the body is like an octagonal room, and then it opens up into a larger structure. This would be sort of the upper body and head of the dragonfly. This is where the wings act as a ceiling. And you can see that area is just the, a basic floor, and then there's another layer above that where there's a second floor above. So the head is kind of two floors right now. And each the, the first floor is about 20 feet off the ground, and the second floor would be another 15 feet higher than that. All right, because these maps are getting kind of complicated, I'm going to go ahead and share them in our Twitter. So if you want to follow along at home, uh, <laughs> I'm going to post them there. So I, I slap uh, Frost on the thigh, and I say, Hey, ask about the demands, the threats. Are they making are they making things difficult? She's, she, I mean, she's right here. You can talk to her. I haven't been introduced. Oh, uh, Ima, this is, uh, Ago Ashlada from... <laughs> That's all. That's and I bow deeply to her. I am Ago Ashlada from Erogost. Uh, it's very good to meet you. Uh, one thing I wonder... Uh, I, I did not overhear. Sorry, I was listening in. Are they threatening the people, who, the night shift guys? So she bows back as you, as you bow. She looks you in the eye. They've threatened to kill all the hostages if we don't meet their demands. Okay, and did they say if they're going to do it at any certain time, they put you on a time frame? Uh, they haven't told us anything. They, it seems it seems like a, a disorganized thing, like it happened in the heat of the moment. I don't know what's gone in there. We haven't been able to get into the building. Like I said, I know they've been throwing rocks. We have seen towards the other end of the dragonfly, towards the east end. We have seen kobolds with crossbows looking over the balustrade. So I I think they're they're serious, but I, I don't know what the timeline is. Crossbow, huh? Yeah, I looked to the other guys meaningfully. We're not equipped to, to, to siege a castle. So, you know, we gotta be careful. Uh, thank you, Chief Architect. I'm a are, are you planning on going in? I look to the other guys. Cow without hesitation. Yeah, we're definitely going in. Uh, on these blueprints. Where are the people being held, do you know? I, I don't know for sure, but 
I would venture to guess that they'd have them on the second floor. It's the it's the safest place from from the ground, the easiest to defend. They have destroyed the back stair the stairwells that go up to that area to the head of the dragonfly. Uh, so there's no way to get into that area easily. I would I would imagine that that's where they've got them, but I can't say for sure. So you're saying all access points up to that second floor, they're done. They've been destroyed. The ones we've built, uh, you could climb the pillars, but if they see you with their crossbows, they they may take shots at you. We we didn't try. I've tried to prevent the the, the laborers from from doing anything. A couple of them said they were going to go in to help their friends out on the night shift, but we've we've discouraged them from doing that. We think it's too dangerous. And just to reiterate, no other demands other than the the outlandish ones. Well, I mean there are are demands in there that are are not as outlandish they so the truth is uh, we didn't pay the kobolds as as much as we had been paying the day laborers Uh, the night laborers in general have not made as much money as the day laborers they're they're less experienced and one of the reasons why we needed more night laborers is because a lot of people didn't want to work that night shift for less money and the kobolds apparently also did not want to work for less money so you're saying their demands are money-based? Well, I mean, the the ones that aren't ridiculous are. But at the, at this point, I, I mean, we we'll do what we can to pay them. But even offering to pay them doesn't seem to have have changed things. Could I make a uh, a quick lore legal check to see if, first of all, what kind of kobold representation there might be in any of the kind or, or low councils? Sure. Because, I mean, I, I'm not from here, but I did a lot of studying before coming here to try to be a good person for my fuck. <sighs> for my fuck. Yeah, that's the roll outcome. Uh, that's a six. It's a pretty simple thing to know that kobolds do not have a seat on the Grand Council. They, they wouldn't have a seat on any council. Kobolds, uh, for people who are used to... You know, D&D Pathfinder, kobolds are typically low-level enemies that you fight. In Pathfinder 2E, they can be player characters, just like goblins and orcs. They're more... Uh, the diversity of the game has opened up a bit. So there are kobolds in Absalom that are, you know, normal. Uh, there are is a kobold on the Edgewatch. In general, they would be looked down on by the typical person. Absalom is much more open to... to various races but kobolds are in absalom are normally members of gangs okay we really should have brought that kobold uh, guy with yeah. us for the, <laughs> i was, I was <laughs> thinking really the kobold would come in handy. on on the edge watch you know he, he tends yeah. to work the night shift <laughs> yeah. uh, kobolds prefer to work at night yeah oh, and then he doesn't get paid as much <laughs> <laughs> well, he, 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 he does the edge watches and uh equal opportunity and employer they pay everybody just fine <laughs> Actually, they pay everybody pretty much nothing. The edge watch yeah, I was going to say, say not just fun. We're kind of we're kind of noticing that. Yeah, is is less an option? I think the coins don't go that low. So I'm going to roll my massive uh, my massive six legal uh, not lore score or roll over to find out are there gnomes on either of the castles? Yeah, there you go. Swing yeah. that big six. Yeah. That's right, man. <laughs> I'm going I'm to um, stretch my six as far yes. as I can go. Yes, and there in are. fact. Um, okay. Uh, one of the the architects of the Radiant Festival is a gnome. Fan fucking tastic. Okay, all right. Hopefully that'll go some player, go someplace. Okay. 
Yeah. I think yeah, you would know, know Secret Handshake. You would know the name uh, Bloon Bandersworth. That would be oh. a, a familiar name. <laughs> would it? <laughs> it would. It, it would be. It would be to anybody working oh. in the Edge Watch because oh, that's one of one of one of the uh, architects of the Radiant Festival. Okay. And is Ama? She's is she still standing with us, or is she? Yeah. Side yeah, off? she's still there. All right. So I think we are going to go in. Is there anything else we should know before we do? Um. Yes. Uh, please, 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 please. We're already so far behind on construction uh, please do your best to avoid smashing the place up I- if you can I-, I i understand that that things could get difficult in there but uh, we really need you to please take care of the place chief architect who you think you're talking to this is the edge watch we're not here to fight a fight we have to make sure that everybody's going to be safe i understand and i, I don't mean to question your skills but, as I said, they were throwing rocks earlier and have threatened to kill some of my people, so I, I do recognize that things could escalate. Uh, Quinn's just going to side-eye over to Cal and look at his bandolier full of bombs. <laughs> <laughs> as Quinn does that, Ama catches the look. And looks over and says, Oh, you must be very, very careful, please, Cal. Uh, You Absalomians are accustomed to brick and mortar, but Minkayan architecture does not mix well with fire. Well, as Ago said, (laughs) priority number one is safety. I'll use everything I can before I resort to fire, but if it resorts to fire then that's the direction we're going. <laughs> Just be aware, if if you do do that, uh, the place will burn quite quickly. All right. I'm glad you told me. That's a consideration of safety within itself. I'll keep it in mind. You guys are playing your characters nicely, but from a meta perspective, any fire that you got on the walls of that building would spread at 10 feet per, per round. That makes sense. Oof. A standard path. Hell yeah, I can wipe out everybody with one bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Let All me right, look so. real quick and see if Quinn's flammable. <laughs> basically, basically the entire, like from that middle room, that octagon on, it's all wood. Okay. I'm going to pull the, the guys aside and I'll, I'll nod to Ima, but I'm going to pull the guys aside and kind of wave them over to me a, a little bit. And I'm going to look up at the ones I need to look up at. And I, I'm going to say... Uh, so, the one thing I, I worry about, you know, we, we've been telling, we've been sending people back to Edgewatch headquarters to let them know what we're doing. We got no way of letting them know that we're now with a hostage situation, you know? So, do we want to do that again? Do we want to send one of them to maybe to labor us to go back to Edgewatch headquarters and to say, you know, we're here, we're on the job, we're doing our job, but what do you think? I, I think it would never hurt and I also don't think you need to consult us for stuff like that you're just as powerful as any of us you just tell one of them go and they go oh <laughs> okay yeah what was it uh, investigation before accusation yeah I, I, I'm gonna go do that now so I'm gonna go over one of the day laborers uh, groups and I'll walk up to whoever catches my eye first you know he keeps saying that I'm not sure he knows what it means <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no I, I bought a t-shirt and, and had it on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're totally going to have a t-shirt now that on there. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever catches my eyes first. Okay. So from the day laborers, not from the Minkayan guys. Uh, so the day laborers are also Minkayan as well. Oh. Like well, most of the laborers that are working on this are Minkayan. There's a lot of... Uh, think of this. This is also functions as a religious temple, right? Right. So okay. this is very meaningful, and there's an to to the people of Minkai, and there's a real attempt to to show Absalom just how powerful and amazing the empire is. You walk up, you see a, a guy. He, he's just carrying, you know, like a saw, basically, just kind of slapping it against the side of his leg. He's uh, tapping his foot on the ground, just looking pretty angry. Hey, ah, uh, you there? Could I, uh, could I talk to you for a minute, please? He looks over at you and you see he, he has like super orange eyes. Yeah, what do you want? Hi, uh, my name is Ago Ishlada and I am a uh, agent of Edgewatch. We need a little bit of a help. We're trying here to help you, but uh, one thing we need help for, would you be willing to go back to our headquarters and let them know that, uh, that uh, the people at our headquarters know that we are here helping you guys out? They gonna pay me if I if I leave? Yeah, I tell you this. How much day? How much? How much uh, you get paid per, per day? Four hundred gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm shorter than you, but I'm not stupid. Okay. Uh, about ten silver. Ten silver. I tell you what. And he digs around in his pouch, and I'm gonna pull out five copper. And then say, this will only take you maybe fifteen minutes or something like that to go back to the headquarters. I give you this here. And maybe you go back and help us out. What you say? He takes the the copper, looks at it. Yeah, but uh, how do I get there? Huh. That is one problem. And I give him quick directions. Yeah. All right. And uh, and I'll, I'll. No, no. We need to play that out. <laughs> give street quick, by street. Quick directions. And uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Take in November. Street. <laughs> in November, we will have a full map of Absalom with street names, and we'll be able to do that. <laughs> So Man. I'm gonna give him quick directions and uh, and send him and say, you go up and you talk to you go talk to Corporal Shepard. He's sitting at the desk, Shepard. Okay, and you let him know that we are here and we are with hostage situation. All right, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, and there'll be five more copper if you if you do a good job. All right, copper. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <get> my joke. <laughs> you good guy. Uh, oh, you're you funny guy. You're funny guy, my guy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so he heads off. Uh, so I trot might, back to the group. This might be my misunderstanding, <laughs> but it's like an hour and a half to run all the way back to the edge washing back, right? It, I, it wouldn't be that long, but it wouldn't be 15 minutes. It, I think it's <laughs> it's a couple of miles. All right. <laughs> that's, that's worth his time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, over He's going to get a silver piece out of it. You know? I would imagine it would take him about an hour to get there and back with people. I want to point out to the listeners that when Eric said that, he took a confident swig of his drink. He's like, yeah, yeah, he got it. <laughs> <laughs> he got paid for his time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was me. I have no faith that this is going to actually work, but I'm, hey, Ago's trying. Yeah, you keep trying to call for backup. It's not going to work. <laughs> you could have just sent the guy. I mean, he's gone now, but you could have just sent him off to where Gravebreaker is and hopefully found Bolera or Batista. I didn't think of that. 
All right, grab another one. <laughs> so when I asked you about where the investigators were, that was already in my thoughts. But then, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know I know you thought of it. it, it, uh, it, it, it let's be honest. It doesn't matter where you sent him. They're not coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> All right, so we, we look up at the entrance to the dragonfly. What do we see? So this is the, uh, the tail end of the dragonfly. You see uh, a large marbled uh, or marble staircase leading up about 10 feet to a simple arbor made of dark wood over this stairwell is like a red archway made of three beams of wood so two pillars standing up and then uh, another pillar going across the two of them just like an archway a gate into the dragonfly pagoda a traditional japanese archway yes yeah yeah so that cross piece provides the impression of a gateway uh, let it be known we're going to be going up into the Avaposter. Sure. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Which lore did you roll to know that? <laughs> Butt lore. <laughs> Man, that, I, I didn't think that was going to come in handy when you put it on your sheet, but... The, you know? I mean, it's little known that you can choose that as a lore in uh, Pathfinder 2E because you can pretty much choose anything for lore. <laughs> Any lore is valuable uh. lore. Right. So granular. <laughs> <laughs> so annular. Well, the, the thing is, it doesn't even make sense. Like, So you could have lore forest, or you could have lore trees. Why wouldn't you take lore forest? To lower DC for tree, because it's more I, specific. I get it, but come on. <laughs> Why would you choose tree? How many times in an adventure are you going to use the skill tree, unless it's taking place in forests? Anyway, so you, you are heading up the stairwell. I'm going to kind of, um, I'm going to walk alongside of the guys. Are we going to do this like uh, <laughs> Reservoir Dog style? I mean, what are we doing here? I'm drawing weapons. I'm, so I'm pulling my crossbow. Okay. But I'm not going to like ready it like it's ready to be fired. It's going to be down. I don't want to alarm anybody, but also I don't want to have to take like a full action to draw it. <laughs> Is yeah, it loaded? Right. Yeah. You always make me doubt my decision. No, 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 no. This is with, a good. It's a, it's a good I, just, I want to know if anything happens, what situation you guys are in, so we can't go back and say, "Oh, well, you had a drum, but it wasn't loaded." I know. I think this is a great idea because I was going to. I was about to ask, can we see any of those so-called crossbowmen from Not our from position? You. Not okay. from your position. Not from our position. Well, that's a good thing. I hope. Mm. <laughs> so this this marble staircase is about ten feet wide. Like this is a big staircase it's very uh, grandiose as we walk up i'm gonna say to the guys i'm not feeling good about this we are we are sitting duck here you know we are ready to be shot we just gotta be super careful yeah quinn's getting uh mad pumped ain't gonna <laughs> you know to walk 15 feet behind the other guys he's like running up rocky <laughs> styles on the stairs got the arms up as you walk up the stairway you come to a large room where the air is significantly warmer than it was outside. You can feel heat radiating up from the floor. On the north and south walls, there are large semicircular basins that protrude from the walls. They are full of water and you can see slight steam. Like no, it's not steaming, this isn't a sauna, but you can see a little steam. You can tell that the water's pretty warm. And you can see that it's constantly draining away. It's being replenished by burbling fountains. And the fountains are dragon heads. 
So basically they're just pouring water in and the water is being replenished and it's creating this very warm, inviting atmosphere. As you look to the east, you see a small draconic figure. For those of you who don't know, kobolds are like little dragons. They are the dragon family. That kobold is standing with a crossbow, not pointed at you, but at the ready. It is loaded and standing with the crossbow across its chest. She looks at you and says, What do you want here? Did you come to give us a seat on the council? And with that, we'll leave it and we'll find out if the uh, kobolds get a seat on the Grand Council next week. <laughs> with the power invested in us, the junior members like of the Edgewatch. Not much of a mystery. It's just a hard no. Hard no. Yeah. <laughs> The Ren and Roll Radio Show uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Incorporated and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. If you can send me a PDF of what we need to do here. Uh, <laughs> you want me to just great. send you the AP? Can you write it up and down on this? <laughs> Quinn's just rolling around on the salmon skin lawn. <laughs> Dodging spitballs. <laughs>